Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hi there, everybody in BVK land. How y'all doing? This is Brad. I'm Ooh. Nate, and I'm doing great. Nate, are you doing great? Zach, are you back? I'm Zach, <laughs> and I have one eye that's very red right now. I know, and I don't know what's <laughs> so going on. So does Nate. Nate's got his right eye is very red also. I'm wondering what you guys were doing. His left eye. Don't you get, wait, wait, your eyes is redder than I'm. Don't you get pink eye from like fecal matter and stuff? Have you guys been doing anything nasty? Well, I mean, other than rubbing my eye after i picked zach's butt no, no. yeah <laughs> just a little, some some pillow farting uh, oh but yeah we are uh, uh not in the uh any of our normal studios we are currently in la on location on location in the city of angels and we are actually doing a morning podcast this is something we have never we have never done before so it's kind of changing up a little things you get that 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 gravelly morning voice from all of us oh yeah we're getting those not for me bro i sound spectacular those those deep (laughs) basses going on right now so yeah we are here to talk about a a a product of all of our uh youths it was 1995 i believe zachy was probably like Sixth grade, fifth the grade. The year was nineteen nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I was pretty. I was pretty junior high. And uh, Nate and I were probably soft juniors, sophomore, sophomores, sophomores. Yeah. So, so this is something that was right in our wheelhouse. This is uh, uh, the Adam Sandler vehicle, Billy Madison, directed by Tamara Davis, or maybe it's Tamara. Actually, maybe it is Tamara. We'll say Tamara. Tamara Davis, uh, who actually, when we were looking at her just background, very, very interesting. She started off in music videos, did a music videos for uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, Faith No More, a bunch of uh, uh, Depeche Mode. One of my favorite Smiths, bands, Hanson. Hanson, Mbop. She directed that video. She directed Tone Loke's uh, uh, Wild Thing video. She does, has done just, uh, or did I say Bust a Move from Young MC? I don't remember which one it was. She said, "You said she was married to the Beastie Boy. She was married to Mike D from the Beastie Boys and had uh, two children. Uh, she's done a ton of TV stuff. Uh, she's done a lot of interesting movies. She had his Beastie Babies. <laughs> <laughs> is that bad? Is so that a Beastie Baby? Nate's, yeah. Nate's face is like fucking. I hate puns and dad jokes. <laughs> they might have been both boys. You said they, they were actual Beastie Boys. She also did. I mean, not. Can we not sleep on the fact that she directed Half Baked? She directed Half Baked, uh, the the classic Dave Chappelle comedy. I, I'm one of my. Man, I saw that movie. This this she goes back to BDK. Four. I mean, she she's got like she's got she's kind of got this sneaky and a little bit weird, but a, like a very sneaky directorial lineup with some movies that aren't they're they're kind of cult classics, but not cult classics in the way that you often think. Like Half Baked is you know the stoner comedy of all time, right? Half Baked goes back to Bev's Video Kingdom for me, the actual real Bev's Video Kingdom, because the video store. Uh, when our, our our friend, his parents bought the video store, um, they got Half Baked, the early copy. I saw it 
opening night in the theater, and you can say what you want about me for seeing Half-Baked the opening night. I'll say some things. And I will say that theater was at least half-baked. It was, it, I mean, it, <laughs> marijuana laws were, were it, it was not legal in California at that time, but that did not matter that night in that theater for sure. Um, but they, we got the, the early release copy of that in, uh, starting of the summer, and I think we watched it probably like 30 or 40 times that summer. It was just, and it was like the early release, so like halfway through the movie or like a quarter way through the movie, it'd go black and white and these little words would come across the screen like not for resale, blah, 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 but we watched the shit out of that movie. So that's an old BBK legit story. Yeah, I mean, so Billy Madison, and if you look at the, you know, the Adam Sandler lineup, right, he was a Saturday Night Live guy. Um, and he's in a couple of things. He stars in something called, what, Overboard? Uh, it's not It's Not Overboard. Not overboard it's... It uh, it's some some version of overboard. We'll get this in a second. Something. Like um. That. So 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 he uh, going overboard, there and then um he's he has like small role 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 in Coneheads, and then like a much bigger role in Airheads as Pip in ninety four. We wouldn't call it leader. We wouldn't though. call it a true lead, right? Yeah. Um. But he's really good and funny in it. And then there's Billy Madison, and he's in Mixed Nuts and also kind of a small role, but. This is all kind of early 90s. And then 95, Billy Madison hits. And that's, yeah, the first vehicle for him just to do his Adam Sandler, take it to the maximum. And I think it was total fever pitch for me. Because this was the same time that the comedy albums came out, right? So so yeah. the, what was the first well, one? Well, 90, 93 the, was uh, They're All Gonna Laugh at You. They're All Gonna Laugh at You. So two years before They're All Gonna Laugh at You comes out, and then this hits two years later. So by the time Billy Madison comes, like I had been, I'd listened to They're All Gonna Laugh at You. A thousand times. I mean, oh man, we 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 had that. We to burned a that. We recited. burned that CD CD up. See, you guys, you guys were older than me, so I think that like they're all gonna laugh at you. I don't think I got that until I like was a Billy Madison fan, and then I and then I kind of found my way to his uh, to the goat and all that silly shit on the CD. <laughs> and there's, I think there's some. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say that Billy Madison is. Like in any way, like a, a perfect manifestation. I mean, it's not like it's supposed to be the comedy album come to life, but there's a lot of elements of it, right? Like the janitor and the lunch lady and the sloppy joes. Um, and there's no goat, but there's a penguin. You know, like there are a bunch of things in the kind of, and for me, it's also, it's the, like, for me, that Sandler comedy is as much about the crude kind of sophomoric humor. Uh, it's more. It's 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 about that, but it's as much about the delivery and the it's weird the voice. voice and everything. Me, which which now you know. <laughs> I think I I don't find as near as funny when I watch it back. Um, at least it, certainly I wouldn't find it as funny if I encountered it the first time now. So I have a theory, and and that theory is that I thought that this movie was absolutely hilarious. And I also thought, and I've said it numerous times on the pod, I also thought that a lot of the early Jim Carrey stuff was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And upon revisiting both, the Sandler stuff holds up better to me I couldn't than the Jim Carrey. I could not stuff. agree more. Yeah. It's it's weird and and it's it's like, not like that compare it's, this, a rewatch of this to a rewatch of Ace Ventura. Oh, which I loved Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Ace Ventura I may not laugh, you know, at all. Actually laugh the whole time. I can kind of giggle a little bit, but but when we uh when we redid uh when we ran Billy Madison back, I was laughing quite a bit throughout yeah. it and there's so many quotable lines and it's uh I mean, it's not a cult classic because it was a super popular movie, especially with boys our age. You know yeah. what I mean? But fuck. And I don't even think good. just, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to cut out like, I think boys our age, that's definitely true. I think there were a lot of girls our age that really loved it. Like my sister, who's your age, okay, she loved Billy Madison. Really? Oh, yeah. She was a big Billy Madison fan. And I think 
there were lots of people, you know, of that era that still think of it as being, I mean, being really funny, but so to the point about things holding up though, Brad, do you think the comedy albums hold up? Can you go so back? I, I, I went back at, on Spotify and I was just like, I'm going to put this on on my drive one day. I was just like, I'm going to put this on and listen to it. And there was a few things that made me laugh. And then I was like, oh my God, like the, the, the humor in this is just so base, so sophomoric. And it's like, not that I'm above that any, at, at this point, but other than just kind of the nostalgia of it, I was like, okay, this really is not that funny. Like I wasn't like, oh my God, I could go have my kids listen to this because this is just a, a classic material. It's like... It's, I don't know. It's, I mean, there's a couple parts that like really stand out. I mean, the Tollbooth Willie will always forever just, there's something about that sketch that's, that's funny. But I think the goat is, is probably the, the funniest thing on there. So the album, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's not a lot to say about them. Uh, it, it's, it's funny for a chuckle, like to reminisce. But other than that, it's like, I, like I said, I'm not going to be like delivering. But I want to make one real quick point that you guys are talking about Jim Carrey versus Adam Sandler. I think the big difference there is that Jim Carrey is going to run the entire show in his movie. It's like it's all about him versus Adam Sandler's always going to bring in some of his friends yeah. and some 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 really silly characters. I mean Billy Madison's got just chock full of like these little people playing characters that are just kind of ridiculous or funny and I mean whether it's what? Chris Farley or Steve Buscemi uh, Steve Buscemi and and it's that's I think the big difference there, and why this kind of maybe holds up a little bit better. Yeah, that's a good call. There's a lot of talent around it, so that you get, and there's some of the funniest lines are not not Sandler. I mean, the, the a lot a lot of the quotable lines are actually not Sandler in this, right? And 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 you know, Chris Farley has some, as the bus driver just has some like killer, yeah, funny little like you know things. And I also would say, and just to, to, before we, I, I want to you know move on to our, our guest here in a second, um, and maybe we can come back to some of this later, but. One of the things I want to say about the album before we move on is in my mind, when I go back to it and I think through some of them and I kind of sing or say the lines to myself in my head, the way that I hear them, I still kind of laugh. But when I go back and listen, I don't. And I, I, and I, and I think it's not, it's not because I outperform Adam Sandler. Um, although, you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe if you're in my head, you'd laugh too. Propped up by nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just tapping into like that sort of like feeling of that time. And so I think that the album holds up in, in a nostalgic way. The movie, I think, ha- suffers a little from sort of aging in a way that's not quite as funny. But I do think it, it, it's it, it, remembering it as funny. Is, is still very funny and it still is, you know, it, it holds up much better, I think, than a lot of the other stuff we're talking about. Well, as much as I, I, I think it works better for serious movies, I was thinking of a, a, a good song to have playing at the end of this movie and like, like uh, to switch <laughs> it up. And I think when you have a, a comedy movie, you have to try to bring in a serious song. So I thought, like, what if it ended with the, uh, uh, the the national song from from Warrior. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and it ends that way would just be a little bit more emotional and just really have you feeling some. I things. love you, man. <laughs> I love you, Veronica Vaughn. <laughs> so hot. This is one of my favorite new bits that you've got, Brad. Oh, it's alternate, gonna get better. Not it's alternate, get better. alternate songs. It'll be it'll be much better at, during serious movies oh. when we throw silly songs at the end of them. Hundred percent. All right. Well, let's let's uh, should we should we jump to our guest? All right, yeah, so we are joined by Larry Hankin today, and uh, this is a pleasure for all of us. Uh, uh, Larry has been uh, like a storied career 
um, throughout so many important shows, uh, movies, all sorts of things that if you've watched any TV or movie, you've seen Larry in something. Ever. I think that's pretty much. <laughs> I think that's pretty much the truth. So, so you've been on since the beginning, right? Is that right, Larry? Uh, yeah, since the first. Yeah, I've been. I've been on. Uh, well, like here's the thing. I just can't hold a job. <laughs> <laughs> It's insane. It's insane how many of these uh, how many of these shows were like big from my childhood and even and even before and some after and and you've got some sort of cameo in almost every single one of them, man. It's absolutely crazy yeah. to look at your IMDb. So yeah, it's uh, startling. So the so you so you joke that you can't can't keep a job, um, and that's why you've had a hundred and ninety seven roles. I, I, well. I can keep a job if it's performing, but other than performing, I, I, I really can't keep a job. The longest job I've ever held, well, I, I'll give you the shortest job I've ever held, <laughs> okay. was uh, half a day in the morning. I just, I couldn't, I went, I went out for lunch and never came back. <laughs> oh, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it, man. And it was, I was a cubby, a cubby hold job uh, you know when you open a magazine that that little piece that little advertising that falls out the insert yeah yeah well it yeah. was uh for uh it was like l magazine E-L-L. Yeah, yeah. it was a woman's magazine so the the insert was a lipstick advertisement for it had like so five colors of red yeah. you know from dark to light or pink or whatever so i had to and that was a card so they sent it in this is before digital or before the internet so they sent it in. They sent that card in with a check next to the red that they liked. And so I was put into this little cubby hole. It's in New York, in, 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 in midtown Manhattan, just as, as on the sixth floor, this old building and a little office. And they gave me a little room. It was a cubby hole. And there was like, it must have been a thousand of these cards, more than a thousand of these cards, just piled up on a desk. And what I had to do was take each card and count the, the, the color? check mark oh. next to the color. I mean, just by hand and with you, a pencil. And you, you made know? it. To, you, and, and, and you made it all the way to lunch doing that shit. I made it till <laughs> till, till twelve. Well, I started at like I think nine, <laughs> and I just about eleven o'clock. I I knew this is this job was doomed, and so. I took, I, I left for lunch. Oh, you know, and they were, it was run by a bunch of little old ladies. So it was like kind of cute, but, but uh, not, not my job. <laughs> so I left. Okay. And I went for lunch and then I, I never came back, but I was starving at the time. I mean, you know, this is like in the beginning of my career. I, was, I didn't even have a job as a, as an actor or a stand-up comedian. I mean, I just had graduated college at, and that was my first job. And uh, so I left. But I needed money, and I couldn't find another job. And I had rent to pay. I had a roommate, uh, but I had my half to pay. So after two weeks of, of you know just trying to get the temp job, I needed the half a day's pay that I had earned. <laughs> so, uh, so what I did was uh, a long story, but I make it very short. No, no, please my do. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> 
my my roommate was Carl Gottlieb, who was later to write Jaws, right? And all the Jaws movies. So that was and my the roommate. jerk. And, and the jerk, yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys are up on it. Okay, so, <laughs> I love it. I love um, the jerk. I was raised on the jerk. What he would do is he had a job then of just reviewing movies for very uh, very small paper, like a neighborhood newspaper. But he reviewed it with all the big, you know, like Time and Life and uh, New York Times. And what they would do to, to show these movies uh, to these the reviewers, the, the big time reviewers, was you would get some wine, and then they would have these uh, the frozen shrimp, you know, the the cold shrimp, the bowls of cold shrimp. So that was the every every uh, he did about three or four movies a week. So what he would do with Carl would, and you had to wear a suit in those days to review movies. You had to wear a suit, so he had this one suit. And what he would do, and they had real napkins, not not paper napkins, but real napkins. So what he would do is he'd have his little wine uh, right before the movie, get a handful of shrimp, just grab a handful of shrimp, a little <laughs> linen napkin, and he would put the shrimp in a little napkin, twist it, and put it in his pocket, and that was my dinner for the night. Oh my <laughs> he was feeling food for me. So Man. Uh, uh, what I would do is I would save the napkin. You know, I would eat the, the shrimp, but I would save the napkins. Well, after a couple of weeks, uh, there was uh, napkins all over the place. I bet that smelled uh, great, Larry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're getting to the end of the story. Oh, which was, uh, what I did was I tied all the napkins, because I would hang them around, you know. I, mean, I yeah. didn't throw them out. I, I just keep them. I just wanted to see how many meals. <laughs> I, that was the way to count. And so, I, so I tied them all together, and I made a sling. You know, I made a circle and I put my arm in it like I had a broken arm. And I went back to the little old lady uh, <laughs> after about three weeks. And they go, oh, well, what happened to you? You know, my goodness. And then, oh, what happened to your arm? And I said, well, I left for lunch. I was hit by a car. <laughs> and uh, so I've been in the hospital and uh, I can't use my molesty, so I can't use the pencil. And uh, yeah. So, but I need the, the half a day's pay. <laughs> so they, yeah, yeah. they gave me cash. Yeah. They, gave me cash. <laughs> they were like, was it a shrimp truck? Well, uh, <laughs> well uh, and very soon after that, to get to the point, uh, I, 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 was, I, was, I didn't know who gave me that answer about the smell, but uh, after about, uh, I think about two or three days after that event where I went back and got the cash, uh, Carl said he wasn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> and I said, why, man? He said, because my suit smells of fish. That's why. <laughs> it was his only suit, and we had no money to get a drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's the, Putting shrimp so in your pocket is not going to ever go well. In all seriousness, when you think about your job as a... Oh, that wasn't serious enough for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I mean, as an actor... I was dead serious, man. I needed that money. <laughs> you have to eat. Me starving isn't serious. joke? <laughs> <laughs> as an actor, you know, do, does it ever feel like, like, like it's a job? Or does it, ever, does it always feel like you get to do something you just enjoy and love and are sort of playing and you get paid for it? Uh, you know, all, all of that and, and more it depends on the job and the people because it's a, basically it's a job. I mean, it's a job. Yeah. You know, you get hired, you go in, you work with people. Well, different jobs, different people, different, uh, you know, is it a comedy? Is it serious? Do I have a lot of lines to forget or do I have a little 
line that I can remember. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and then how it goes. Like with uh, Escape from Alcatraz, which I was on for three months, uh, just hanging with uh, Clint Eastwood and Don Siegel, yeah. that was great. <laughs> that was amazing. That was just a, um, and I was getting a lot of money. Man. I a lot of money. So, so, and it was my favorite, uh, I mean, uh, the, the director, Don Siegel, liked me. Yeah. So if the director likes you, so, and it was a major movie. So he, he uh, our relationship was like a grandfather to a grandson. Okay. Uh, Don Siegel to me. So he was always, and I, I was just in awe of the whole thing, the money uh, involved. And it was a tentpole movie. And Clint Eastwood and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I would always go into work, even if I didn't have a, a, a scene. For, for three months, I would just show up because, I mean, I could explore Alcatraz. You know, I didn't have to yeah. hang out with the movie people. I mean, there was a fucking prison, man. Yeah. You know, this, this iconic prison. Probably the most famous prison on Earth, actually. Yeah. Really. Except for the Black Hole of Calcutta. That probably... <laughs> uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I had a major part. Because when I saw the screening, you know, the, had the cast screening, mm -hmm. and you go to see the movie that you've been working on, and I had, like, co-star billing. I didn't know that. I mean, I just looked at the movie and go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm serious. I go, co-starring Larry Hanks. I didn't know that the whole time, the whole three months I was on there. I just thought I was like, you know, uh, uh, one step up from an extra, you know, Charlie Butts. That was the down part. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So it was really great. I'm telling you how great it was. But there was a downside because I was the butt of the jokes because of Charlie Butts. <laughs> Butts are always funny. Uh, so then Clint would start. Oh, hey, let's make fun of Charlie Butts. So that was a down part of it. And I had to take it, man, until I got really fed up to it. I accepted it. So you're playing poker, and they look up, and there's this, uh, somebody was behind me. They, they were all looking up behind me. I look around, and it's Don Siegel, and he's standing there. And when I look behind him, me, uh, he says, what are you doing, Larry? Uh, he, he was always very serious. What are you doing, Larry? But here's the thing. When they say my name, it's not a good thing. Not, not a good thing. You know, so, what are you doing, Larry? And I go, uh, I'm just playing cards. I'm not. I'm not up. My my scene isn't for two hours. He said, Yeah, but it's your crying scene. So I'm playing cards. I said, Well, okay, fine. You know, I want to get back to the game. They're all waiting there with their cards. You know, it's a crew, man. And so uh, he goes, Well, uh, you, you, I I have to know if you're going to cry. It's an important scene, and he's really serious. And I'm going, what the hell, man? I, well, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I guess I can cry. You guess you can cry? I go, yeah. I mean, I never, I haven't cried. I, well, I think you better, you better find out. I mean, if you can't cry, I think you just better get in your dressing room and slap yourself silly until you can cry. That's <laughs> a direct quote. I go, and, I, and, and the other guys are, you know, just, what's going on? <laughs> And he's saying, so, uh, you know, I need you to cry, Larry. It's important. Uh, so I said, oh, okay. okay. You know, uh, it's the director. It's, it's a big movie. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. 
He says, hey, you're going to cry now, right? Yeah, okay. He splits. So then I say to everybody, okay, look, I got to, I guess I got to go and practice crying. Right? <laughs> okay. And I put my cards down. You know, l- luckily I think I was losing $5 or something like that. So I'm out, you know. Okay. So I go to my dressing room. I'm, I'm, literally, I don't know how to cry, man. There's nothing worth crying about. Except maybe if you break up, you know, with a girl. But, but other than that, so uh, I go and I'm slapping myself around. I'm doing what he said. I'm slapping. But nothing, you know, my face getting red, but nothing. And then finally, uh, so I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. And then there's a knock on the door. Okay, Larry, you're up. So I go, and I don't know what to do, man. I really, oh, so on the way to wa- walking to the set, to my cell, where I'm going to cry, ha um, I figure out how I can get around it. Okay, the backstory. I got if I, if I had a backstory where I didn't cry. So on the way, so I I say on the way to the set. I uh, where's Don Siegel? I got to talk to the director now immediately. So they find him, and he's very uh, he's very open to this. I, I see so comes over to me, Don Siegel, and he goes, Oh, Larry, you know what's the matter? So I said, I got to talk to you about the crying scene. So he says, okay, fine. And he's into it. You know, he pulls me aside, away from everybody. So, you know, what's going on? Uh, my character wouldn't cry in this scene. Really? How come? Well, the backstory. See, um, in my backstory, I thought about, you know, he comes from his passive-aggressive family, so he holds things in, <laughs> and he wouldn't cry under any circumstance. <laughs> okay. And he turns and for his girl Friday, Carol, who is this girl, a, a woman who carries around his, his scripts and his notes and stuff like that, his assistant. She says, Carol, would you come over here for a second? She's talking to somebody. Comes over. Says, yeah. Larry, tell her what you just told me. Now, both of us don't know what the hell's going on. So he's standing there and I'm saying, well, you know, I'm, I have a backstory, blah, blah, blah. And I'm passive aggressive. So my character wouldn't cry in this scene. And so she turns to him and she says, okay. And he says, Carol, would you tell me what the fuck he is talking about? <laughs> She's Look, he says, Larry, I need, you know, I got a big movie here. I got a big <laughs> fucking movie here. This is the whole movie. And you know what I got in this movie? I got 200 prisoners, just 200 just bottled up testosterone. And all they want to do is two things. They want to get out of here or they want to fight. So I need another emotion. I need another emotion somewhere. And he's pointing up to the ceiling of the overhang of the tier. And it's out there. She's like, I got a big movie here. And you know where I need somebody to cry? I need another kind of emotion right, right there. Right there. You know whose scene that is right there? That's your scene, Larry. <laughs> now you're going to cry. You got it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, thank you. And he walks away. And Carol follows. Man, I'm going to get fired you know <laughs> this is early in the movie i got like two and a half more months to go i just you know i figured oh, i'm gonna get fired okay and and so i talked myself into it so that when it happened i wouldn't get depressed i'd be ready for it yeah so i'm saying okay, you're gonna get fired you're gonna get fired okay you know just hang in there man it's just another job <laughs> just another job. i get in and he says are you ready to cry larry that's the first thing he said is you ready to cry, Larry? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to cry. I'm not, I'm not going to cop to it. So I get in the cell, and he gets the camera right up close. If you, if you remember the 
seen it all. It's just a choker, man. Yeah, yeah. Just your right face. There. Yeah. Boom, and he pushed it in. And he goes, okay, you ready to cry, Larry? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to cry. Okay, and, and everybody's standing around now because that, that word, you know, about the, the fight we had about what the fuck is he talking about, that got around to the crew. So they all came around. Everybody's now I got like, an Is Larry really going to cry? Yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> you know what? That As I'm walking over to the AD, uh, walking over to the scene, the AD said that to me. <laughs> People are taking bats, placing odds. You know, as a, I, <laughs> right. gonna cry, Larry. Larry, Larry cry. It's th- <laughs> three to one. Larry just can't squeeze a drop. So I sit down, and he goes, okay, you ready? I go, yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay, and action, you know, camera, and Larry, cry, action. And I go, rrr, 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 and, Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing came. Cut. Okay, he says, hey, Ralph, bring it in. He's like, you know, nothing. He says, hey, Ralph, bring it in. So this big bohunk of a crew guy comes over, and he's got this grandmother's perfume bottle in his hand with the bulb. Yeah. And he sticks yeah. it in. The camera stops here, you know, like, like here. And he sticks it in here, you know, and he just goes, <clears throat> and this spray comes right by my eyes. And I say, hey, what's this? And he says, it's Wintergreen, Larry. Roll camera, action. Larry, cry. And tears are starting to come oh. down. <laughs> <laughs> they made it happen. Hollywood movie <laughs> magic. <laughs> and he goes, cut. Larry, that was great. Everybody gives me a applause. And you're like, you couldn't. Terrific. And I go, man, why didn't you say something? You know, I go, oh. Why didn't you tell? Because that was, he had it in mind the whole time yeah. from the card game. So oh, that's what man. I'm telling you. The whole three months I was being put on. And I thought, <laughs> in the band, when the crew saw that, you know, they were standing around and, and I cried. They go, okay, Larry is now open fair for putting, you know, putting him on. So just old, so school, the, old school movie hazing. <laughs> yeah, Clint and the crew just were merciless. Oh, so, boy. But I was doing a scene with Clint. All my scenes were with Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, I was just like Buddy or his puppy. I don't know what. The, <laughs> but so um, uh, we're, we're talking, and uh, there was a ritual that Clint and Don Siegel had because they'd done five movies together. So after each take, Don Siegel would come up. He would come from behind the camera, walk over to Clint, right next to him. So it's just me and Clint in the in, in the scene. And he would walk over to Clint, and then the two of them would face each other and talk like I wasn't there. Like, <laughs> it pissed me off after a while because in every scene he would do that. And, you know, I got, I'm now into it about, you know, a month and a half or two months. And I, I don't exist every time. And, and Clint would only do one take. He only wants to do one take. If you want to do another take, you have to have a really good reason. Clint, uh, so Don Siegel comes up to, us too, and then he shuts me out, and he goes, so Clint, uh, how is that for you? And Clint would always say, that's fine with me. And then Don would say, okay, moving on. One take, you move on. So I'm used to this, but he would always ignore me. And one, and one time, he goes, he comes over and says, Clint, how is that for you? Uh, I, uh, that, that was okay for me. And just as he said that was okay for me, and Don Siegel was going to 
yell, okay, moving on, I butted in and I said, well, I'd like to do it again because I think I can do it better. <laughs> and there's this like, silence. And then Clint says, <laughs> well, I don't think I can do it better. And Don Chigo said, moving on. <laughs> and one day, about three weeks later, it happened. Clint Eastwood said exactly the same thing that I had said. I mean, I don't even think he knew that he would, he said that, but it was like a trigger in me. Don Siegel comes up and he says, how is that for you, Clint? And Clint said, very matter-of-factly, um, I'd like to do it again. I think I can do it better. And I said, well, I don't think I can. And I <laughs> Fuck you, Clint. And away, and there's dead silence, and we're on a tear. So the only door is down there about a hundred feet easy. And I just kept walking, man. And I said, okay, I'm fired, but I'm out of the barrel. I don't care. I can't take this crap anymore. And I kept on walking and there's silence back there because when Clint walked away, the crew laughed. So that's what I was expecting, the crew to laugh, but no. And I'm walking and I'm walking and the door is getting further and further away. And then finally I get to the door and just as I'm, about to walk out, I said, I don't care. I don't care if I'm getting fired. I just can't take it anymore. I hear Clint say, hey, Larry, come on back, man. He says a big joke. Come here. <laughs> so I okay, fine, because I didn't want to be fired. So I walked all the way back, but I was out of the barrel. So the rest of the time, no That was it. That's awesome. That was, that was <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so that's a long answer to your question. Is it fun to be in the movies or is it not fun? Well, on that one, it was, it was both because there's very highs and lows. You know? So we've been talking about Billy Madison uh, in this episode. What was the, you know, what was the experience like on that set? What was that? A- that was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. T- tell us. I want, we want it all. Tell us why. Because, I mean, you'd think that, like, it's, it's, you know, from the outside looking in, right, like, it's it's a comedy, it's very light. You, you were an improv guy, right? I mean, you, you've you done a fair amount of improv, and it seems like the kind of movie where there might okay, be opportunities for that. that. Okay. Let's go there. I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm a, a comic improviser. I know comedy. I'm in all these comic roles, and I don't think Adam Sandler is funny at all. Oh. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. I've never heard that. I've never heard anybody say Adam Sandler is not funny. Okay. Well, we have two different senses of humor. Okay. He knows what's funny for his crowd. Right. His crowd is not my crowd. I'm not in his crowd. Let me put it that way. Because he's got a big crowd. His crowd was 14-year-old boys at the time, which was, <laughs> yeah. which was us. That, that was yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the time when, when, we saw, when we saw Billy Madison, yeah, we were, we were between 13 and 16, and it was the funniest fucking thing exactly. we'd ever seen. <laughs> and, and guys like you would come up to me and say, hey, man, I grew up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? And what? Adam Sandler and uh, Billy Madison. How many times have you watched it? 175 times. <laughs> That's what I get. I mean, you, yeah. I don't think you, you don't look like a guy who watched it 175 times. I have not watched it. There, I, no. I took a long break. I probably watched it uh, a dozen back in my teen years. And then I, okay. it had been, so, right. so, well, but, and, one, and this is one of the com- the comments that we, you know, and maybe you can, you know, help us think about this a little too. I mean, one of the things that we were talking about before you came on was the fact that, that it's a weird thing to have, 
you know, in this case, comedy at a certain time in your life. And like, you know, we were teenagers and it was really funny. I mean, with the comedy album to us at 13, his first comedy he album was, was incredible. And, and at 15, right. Nudie magazine day was the funniest fucking thing I could, that could ever come out of anyone's mouth. Right. Like I was, but so, so one of the things that we sort of were reflecting on and I was saying was like, when I, listen to the album especially now and even to some extent when i hear the lines from the movie in my head from billy madison i still chuckle and i kind of get a funny feel because like i remember the feeling of laughing then but when i watch it again now and i and i'll admit you know there are still things in billy madison that i like and that i think are funny but it doesn't feel the same to me as it did then right and so one of the things i love about movies and tv in general is that you you know for, for good and for bad, right? It's a little bit bittersweet because there's times when there are things that just strike you in a certain way and you never get that back. And you love, I mean, I loved it. Like I, 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 I took great joy in Billy Madison and Adam Sandler's comedy at that time in my life. And I can't go back and recapture that by watching it again now, which a lot of movies you can recapture. And it sounds like, uh, you, it sounds like you were not in that demographic at the time. Ever. <laughs> okay. um. I know what you're talking about because I've had the same feeling because right now, like uh, we'll talk about that later or whatever, but I'm writing a book. You know, I've been in show business all my life ever since I graduated college. So that's like 19 or however you are. Yeah. How old I was. So I'm writing this book. Now I finished the book, but the book has a span of, I'd say, let's say 50 years. Okay. You know, 45, 50 years, something like that. Okay, so I finished the book, and now you got to proofread it, you know, all the typos and stuff. Yeah, so you yeah. put it in a drawer for a couple of weeks. Now you read it. Now you have a totally different point of view. You are now an adult reading about what you did when you were a kid or, or, or younger. For at least 10 of those pages, at least 30 of those, 40 of those pages, that's the first 10 years I was in show business. Right. So that's like a that's like you watching Billy Madison yeah. as an adult. And I'm saying, how the hell did I do this stuff? Or how did I think of that? Or why did I do that? Or why didn't I do something? Yeah. So I understand totally. And I, that's fresh in my mind because I just sent the manuscript out like two weeks ago. Well, since we're talking about it, I want to hear, let me just ask just a, a really quickly, what, what's the title of the book? And when do you think you might, we might actually get our hands on it? I love the title of it. Oh, I love. I'm a I'm a titles guy. Like I like to make up titles okay. for books. What would and, you and title? What would you title the book? I just for the hell of it. What would I title the book? Take one guess. Um, I mean, I might. What do you something like? It's actually the guy, the, know, guy the guy, that guy, or something like that, or or. You got it. That's the title. That guy. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I think of Larry Hankin. Is he's that guy? Like everybody knows, everybody knows who you are. Literally, so it's the right title. So I'm, I'm very glad that you guessed. It. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. Perfect title. That guy, because that's what everybody could. Hey, man, you're that guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I figured, well, might as well. I, you know, I, I took me months. I was for for months. I was trying to figure yeah. out what the hell the title is. So I just forgot about it. Wrote the book. Right. And then when I read the book, I go, that guy, that's yeah. that guy. Well, when's it come out? Well, hopefully in six months from today. Okay. okay. So that's, that's the ballpark figure, but it's that guy. And it's really good because I've handed it out to friends and then to, uh, you know, agents. 
and they all love it. They, they really I, think it's really I'm, I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to pre-order my copy on Amazon. Yeah, sounds like right before Christmas will be a nice little yeah, uh, yeah, stocking. I, I, I got a bunch of Christmas. Just get that before Christmas would be great. Well, kind of, kind of relating to that, going to the, uh, the 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 Billy Madison set was. It, did you kind of feel like you were the adult, and it was kind of? I mean, no offense to your castmates and stuff. But I mean, it was kind of like kids, and you were kind of the adult in the room, and then it was like you're kind of having to deal with. Yeah. Yes, I thought I the the the, the only reason I was in that movie was because my one of my best friends, Steve Kessler, was the director, the original director. He okay. was taken off. He was fired. And I was about to be fired, too. Uh, so I went to, uh, uh, he called me, Steve Kessler called me and said, hey, man, I, I just got a major motion picture. Oh, yeah, what? Uh, uh, Adam Sandler's uh, first movie. And mm. I go, mm, but congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm happy for you, man. That's a major motion picture. Yeah. And at the time, he really was king of Hollywood. I mean, to this day, he can make, he can get any movie made he wants. Yeah, Netflix, Netflix will just put on, they'll just film him yeah. for uh, any two-hour stretch and way, put it on. He's a really good actor. He's just not funny. To me, I mean, his <laughs> yeah. serious roles, his serious roles are really good. Oh, Have you watched Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems, Punch Drunk Love, Spanglishes are all great. Yeah, we, 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 I like a lot of those. Great. Yeah. Other than not relating to the comedy, did it, did, was the set was it a difficult set to be on or was he, was he easy to work with or was it enjoyable or no, no, it was not enjoyable at all. And then there's no joke to it. It was just not enjoyable. It was, it was very hard for me Yeah, because we had different senses of humor. So what he thought was funny, I didn't think was funny. What I thought was funny. He didn't think was funny. So I couldn't make up anything. I couldn't improvise. I couldn't suggest Uh. lines because he had written, you know, with the, the script with his friends. And, and I didn't think the script was funny at all, but I went to, so I, I told my friend, Steve, I said, well, congratulations. But, you know, and I was thinking, well, he's going to have a hard job. And then uh, I didn't have a job for a while because I was auditioning at the time. So I went to him and I said, put me in the movie. And he said, why? And I said, because you're my best friend, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what friends do. That's why. And he goes, well, and my hair, well, I was a hippie then. My hair was down to here. And um, he said, well, you're a hippie. And I go, so what? So I could be a businessman, you know? I'm a businessman. And it was the, the, the fashion back in the 60s and 70s to have ponytails. All the businessmen had ponytails. So I said, I'll just put it up in a ponytail. He says, no, no, you have to get a you know, businessman cut. Yeah, you know, clean cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and he said, and I go, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so he said, well, then you're not in the movie. He said, but you're my best friend. <laughs> I'm your best friend, and I'm the director. <laughs> Cut your hair. Your best friend is not going to put you in the movie. So, no. And he was really adamant. And it was his first movie. I understand he had to, you know, make his territory known and be the director. I said, okay, fine. Man. Okay. So I walked. And then I, I, that night, I wrote, I, I still have it. I think it may be in the book. I, I think it might be in the book. But I wrote down my feelings about that. And what I wrote was, uh, I'll I just give you the first line. Bob Dylan says there's no such thing as selling out. That was the opening line. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Bob Dylan was, thought I was funny. Really? So he brought me, yeah. So he brought me to his agent. I think I, I think I'd start every story with that, Larry. You'd just be like, well, you know, Bob Dylan thinks I'm funny. So. <laughs> well, he did. I mean, he, he hung out uh, you know, a little up in uh, Bearsville, uh, you know. Yeah. And we were gonna we were gonna write something together. Uh, him and, and and the band, they were gonna they were gonna. I was gonna write a movie, and they were gonna play the music. That Are was you the, kidding? Oh. And the band we were gonna do the music. So they came and they said, "Hey, you write the." screenplay we'll do the music yeah it's fine so but but uh so i did I, I wrote the movie and i handed it in and they wanted to do it they they were they were all for it and then they went to Warner's brothers who was uh, robbie robertson's music people i, I maybe columbia record so they said no they won't give us the money for the movie <sighs> they said we'll give you the money to hire a writer to write the movie <laughs> in other words i was paid to write a movie thousands of dollars it was amazing yeah uh, you know i thought well they rock and roll what do they know so i wrote the screenplay and then they and they liked it they approved of it dylan and the band and then they, they took it to columbia and they said no no way <laughs> so they called and they said hey man it's it, it's off so damn it was uh it was a great movie it really was it was, it was, it was very weird it was dylan-esque yeah. it was flashing images now, that's that's what kind of turned him off because he was just getting out of you know his folk flashing images right and going into stories and stuff yeah i mean he's one of the so, first artists to really do music videos i mean he, he was into that way before yeah, that's, he got the idea for it and that's that's why he came to me dylan did and and bobby newer who's just as funny as i am <laughs> <laughs> bobby newer is the funniest guy i know so they came and they said, hey, we want you to write this. And then Dylan talked out what he wanted. Well, it's going to be in a bar and there'll be Sammy Davis tap dancing on the bar and the <laughs> wallpaper will be all newspapers. And right about then, and then we were in the bar sitting, he's, he's wrapping this out to me over a beer. He's saying, and then and, and the newspapers and Sammy Davis. And they're sitting across from me in the booth and Newark just goes like this. To him. And they're both facing you know, he doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> and it was true. I had no idea. My face must have been just like, <laughs> he stopped my mind. What? 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 So uh, he, finally he said, okay. He said to Newark, forget it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'll, I'll get in touch with you. He, that's what he said to me. I'll get in touch. And then they left. And I thought, oh my God, my hero. <laughs> my hero. He wanted me to write a movie for him, and I didn't understand a word. <laughs> and my, my hero shows up, says, let's go have a beer while we talk. Oh. I mean, it's like, you know, Clint Eastwood or whoever your hero is. Yeah. Say, hey, let's have a beer together. Oh. Yeah. And then he goes, okay, flashing images, flashing images, disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. Oh, what? what? <laughs> See, with, so with, with stories like that, this book is going to be outstanding. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, super I can't, yeah, I can't wait to read it. So, so I got to ask you, I'll never forgive myself and uh, if I don't ask you about uh, one role, and my sister will never forgive me if I don't ask you about the other. So the first one is, so Breaking, Breaking Bad is probably my favorite show all time. Yeah, me too. Me is too. it? Okay, so, so that, and that's, that's actually... I love the people. The script was great. Oh, it's I, so good. I, I, audition was easy. 
Uh, they just asked me to read three or four lines. So were you a fan? Were you a fan of the show before you were on it? Oh, yeah. So so, I mean, so was it pretty cool like, to get the call? Oh man, I was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like uh, Bob Dylan. It was like Bob Dylan. <laughs> I get that. Really, because Vince Gilligan is is up there, you yeah. know. And, oh and yeah. And and uh, Breaking Bad is uh, you, you know you you binge watch that. Yeah. You, yeah. You're, I've watched it. I probably watched so it. You asked if I watched uh, Billy Madison 112 times. I might have watched Breaking Bad 112 yeah. times. <laughs> well, there you go. So, uh, I mean, I watched my part a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I watched, but I, I did good, and, and it was a good scene, and then I did El Camino after yeah, that. Yeah. So, but I just loved, uh, you know, again, anything that Vince Gilligan wanted me to do, that was it, you know. I, so I was ecstatic, and then, but I have this thing. I have this thing in me. I don't know what it is. I mentioned it to you before. Um, I won't cop to anything that I may not be able to do okay. by crying. I won't admit it. And I, I did have one of those moments with old Joe in Breaking Bad. Okay, it worked out, but it was a close call. On the on the my first day, uh, the audition scene was where I I go into the Winnebago. Brian is in there and he's going to sell me the Winnebago. He wants me to crush it. He wants yeah, me to get right, rid of yeah. it. So I just take his money and I split. And that was the audition scene. Okay. And it's uh, I think three or four lines. I didn't have it. I didn't even have to memorize it or or make a backstory for it. you. Just go in, you do it. No passive aggressive family background. Yeah. <laughs> Old Joe, boom. So again, I did it, and I thought I did a really good job, and so did Brian, and so did uh, the director. I, but but anyway, I, I did a good job, and and I felt very good, and I was very happy, and everybody was very happy. Uh, we did one take. Brian loved it. Boom! I said, "Wow!" You know. So that was my hero, my my great. Because uh, Brian was my hero too, uh, and so uh, I was ready to go home. And then they said, "Wait, Vince, Vince." liked your audition tape so much he wrote you another scene which we'll do in the afternoon Ooh. and i go wow you know i'm dyslexic i'll tell you guys i'm dyslexic so uh, dyslexia comes in very different packages but one of the things that was my package was memory so if it's a if it's a couple of lines fine if it's a page like an essay a monologue you need time I need I need a week at least, okay. minimum a week. So I go, oh, wow, where is it? He says, it's in your dressing. I go in my dressing. It's a monologue. It's a full oh. page. And I, I yeah, that, that's the sound. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I didn't know what to do, but I would not cop to it because I knew I, I couldn't memorize it. I, I, so the uh, the AD uh, was with me when he said he wa- he wanted to show me that he had placed it on my dressing room mm-hmm. table. So he went with me, and he goes, "There it is." And I picked it up, and it's a page. And I go, "Is this it?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I said, "No, no." I, I started to lose it. I mean, I go, "No, you, no, I can't do this." No, he goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "No, I, I, uh, um," and he said, "I gotta leave because I." I was discombobulated. I mean, I just right. didn't know what to do. I, you could see I was going through something and he didn't want to be there. So he said, I got to leave. 
And he split. I said, how long do I have? He said, two hours. And he, he left. So I'm trying to memorize it. I'm trying to memorize it. I couldn't do it. And then the guy comes back. He says, uh, you're up. Let's go. I go, oh, man. And he said, uh, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think you can memorize it? Because he was there when I said it. Yeah, right. I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> he said, oh, okay, fine. Got it all right here. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to cop to it. You know, can you cry? Yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> so, uh, can you ride a horse? Yeah, I can. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm walking there, and I come up with the answer. Another excuse. I, I figured out a way around. So I get to the director, and he goes, so you're, you're all set. Now, I did a really good job in the morning, right? So he's looking forward to another great thing with a monologue with Larry. He did a great job this morning. It's going to be easy. And there's a car. There's a limo parked right next to the camera because we're in a junkyard, you know. So, he's, so there's a limo parked right uh, alongside the camera. And he says to me, he says, well, oh, great, Larry. And I say, okay, listen, can I just say something first? So he goes, yeah, yeah, what? I said, I know how to shoot this scene, which takes him aback a little. You know, <laughs> you know how to shoot this scene? I don't think an actor has ever said that. <laughs> anybody. Uh, especially a director who's directing it. Yeah. I said, I know how to shoot this scene. You know, really? How do we shoot this scene, Larry? Uh, rem- remember, when, you say, when they say my name, I know it's, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on my side. He's not on my side. He doesn't want to know how I'm going to shoot it. But he says, okay, how do we shoot it, Larry? It was, it was keeping, the, keeping the cop out of the Winnebago. That was the scene. Right. Where the cop is standing there and yeah. you can't go in there because, and it's all legally. That, yeah. that was the other frightening thing. It's all legally. Right. So he says, uh, or how do we shoot? I said, we break it up, see? We shoot him and then we shoot back. And I'm figuring I can memorize the, the sections. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. While yeah. Him, I said, he goes, and I said, so when we shoot it, and how, how about that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Larry. But uh, no, we're just going to do a walk and a talk. We're going to do it all in one shot. Oh. You get there, you go down there about 50 feet, walk towards the camera, you talk, and, and, and you end it right by the camera, and we'll just do a rack focus. And then you get in the limo, and you go back. Back to, uh, you know, the, the production office. And you're finished in one take and you're home. Okay? We'll fly you home. And I go, okay. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> really. He says, okay, get down there 50 feet. So I walk down there. And he goes, okay, you ready, Larry? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. And action. And I know the first one. I know the first line. I figure I'm an improviser. You guys know I'm an improviser. So I figure I'll improvise the whole thing. Get the gist so I of start it. Walking, so I start walking and talking, you know. Now, I, and in my mind, the only thing I have uh, that I, I must, I can't stutter. No ums, no errs. Keep on talking. And it's got to be legal. And keep them out of the Winnebago. And go. And I said the first line, you, know, you can't go in the Winnebago because blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking and I'm talking. Don't stutter. Don't stutter. Just keep talking. Keep talking all the way down to the camera. And I remember the last line. And I say the last line. And I figured, and now I'm going to get fired. And he goes, okay, Larry, 
Let's do it one more. That's in the can. Let's just get some coverage, okay? Get back there. Let's do it again. Reset. So I don't have to worry now. I can just screw up. I can stutter. He's got it in the can. Okay. So I go back. Now I'm drunky jolly. I go back. He's okay. You ready, Larry? Yeah. He says, okay. And instead of saying cut, I see the script lady coming, walking towards me. And she's got the book and a pencil. Script girl, she's responsible for, so if you, if you leave out a word yeah. or a sentence, she'll circle it, she'll come, you, you didn't say this thing, so we'll either do a pickup on this or we'll have to do the whole thing over again, mm-hmm. but it's that long that you left out. So I say, you know, what? Well, okay, what did I forget? So she shows me the page, every fucking word. <laughs> she's like i don't know what you memorized <laughs> every word is I, i've never seen a page like that i've been enacting 40 years so i say to her in self-defense well, yeah but i got the gist of it <laughs> and she says the director wants you to say it verbatim oh. and she said it like that like, you know, and I go, oh, and then I hear the director. Yeah. Anything wrong, Larry? <laughs> no, <Nope>. no. <laughs> this is Fine. Great. Perfect. Fine. And I go back to her and I see him walking towards me. So two people walking from the camera and they're saying, Larry, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, so he comes up to me, and says, uh, what, what seems to be the problem here? And he's got his book, too. So she shows him the page and he said, well, I got, and I said, I got the gist of it. He said, let's just do it again. Okay. And let's just do a verbatim. Okay. And I go, okay. Fine. Okay. And then the this cameraman yells, Hey, Hey Sid, what's going on? He says, I'm going to walk with my actor. And I go, Oh no, man. So I'm thinking this is kindergarten now. He's going to walk. He's going to hold my hand and feed me lines while I, I don't want to do this. I want to be here. I want to be fired. I want to be fired. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, maybe at the end of this, I'll be fired. But I just, this is not good. And I don't want Vince to know anything about this. <laughs> right. So he goes, okay, ready? And action, Larry. And I just do the exact same thing I did before. I say the first line, and I just make it up. I just improvise it. I don't stutter. I just improvise it all the way down. I get to the end. I say the last thing. And I go, and I go, Okay, well, and I'm just waiting to be fired. And he said, okay, that's a wrap for Larry. Larry's wrapped, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Open. And I drive away and I go, what the hell just happened? I have no idea, man. And I had to wait two weeks before the show show, you know, aired. Oh, you, did, you, didn't even, you didn't even know. I, I had no idea. I mean, I was improvising. She circled every word. I just did not the exact same thing because you can't improvise the exact same thing. It's just a flow, you know, you yeah. got to get a flow. So I, I, I flowed law, law talk, but it, I was making it up the same way. And he just said, thank you very much. Larry's rap. He didn't explain anything. He didn't say anything. He just, and he opened the door for me and in the car and he Thank you, Larry. You literally shot the scene, finished, cut. He, the, the director opened the door and put you in the limo. Put you in the limo. Put me in the limo, and I drove back. And I had to wait 
and there was no, you know, and then I did my regular, I got out of my costume, I drove home, or they flew me home. I had to wait two weeks, and I told all my friends to watch, not because I was on, yeah, you know, watch me, I'm, I'm on Breaking Breaking Dead, but to watch my scene, because I'm going to ask them a question about it. That, that's what was my instruction. Yeah. Watch Breaking Bad. So I watched it, and I was blown away, because this is what, the director knew, and I didn't. Okay. I, you, you see me, you know, I get down there, and I say the first line. Yeah. You know, that, that's the line that was nervous. Blah, 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 blah. And then they cut to the cop, and you hear me talking over. Right. Legalese, you can't go in there. Uh, and then they cut inside, and I'm still talking out, outside. Right. You hear me outside. And there's Aaron, and there's Brian, and they cut to the... Uh, the cop again outside and then they cut to me because I said something right on just one sentence right on <laughs> right and then they, I mean not not written but right on to the scene that's right keeping them out and then back to the cop back to Ron, Brian Aaron Brian cop Brian Aaron me one more line Brian cop Aaron <laughs> cop Brian me one line and Brian cop finished last line Four lines, each line a minute, uh, uh, two seconds, uh, two eight seconds. I'm in the scene, eight seconds. What he did was, and he knew it from the second line I opened my mouth on the first time, because uh, the director had written that scene. <laughs> so he knew I was making it up. <laughs> and he never it either. But what he did was, he saw that what I was making up at least fit the scene I was doing. Right. I was saying legal things to keep the cop right. out of the Winnebago, not what he had written, but it was keeping the cop out of the Winnebago, and he just edited it together as a voiceover. He cherry-picked lines to fit the length of the scene, and I'm in the scene eight seconds, and the rest is my improv in a voiceover on the stars and the main characters. And I asked my friends and I said, what did you see? Oh, you were walking and talking towards the thing and you're keeping a cop out of the Winnebago. No, no. What did you see? I saw you walking and talking towards the Winnebago and you were keeping a cop out of the Winnebago and they were inside. No, that's not what you saw. And I asked all my friends and they said the same thing. You're walking. No, I, you only saw me eight seconds. The entire scene was the cop and inside the Winnebago. That's all. And every once in a while, when I said something pertinent or just to make sure that the audience didn't question where the voice is coming from, they shot to me. So I, you know, came out smelling like a rose. So, so, so what's funny about that, Larry, is that like I, I my memory of your entire role on that show fits the sort of basic dynamic because when I, you know, th when, when we talked about bringing you on, uh, the very first thing I think I thought of was this role, you know, like I'm such a big breaking bad fan. And I thought, man, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, he was on this huge portion of the show and he's this regular character. I mean, that, that was in my head. I had no exaggeration. I thought, I thought Larry's, he's like a, he's a fixture 
you know, of the Breaking Bad universe. And I looked and I thought, wait a minute, he's only in two episodes. And of course, I know you're on El, El Camino. And I said, no way he's only in two episodes. I literally thought it was a mistake. I thought, I'm not hitting the correct expand button on IMDb. Why the fuck do I not see all the episodes Larry's on? But it is no. exactly what you said. It, it sort of that's a microcosm of the bigger thing, which is even though you're only in a, two episodes and at that only in a couple scenes, you get these. I mean, the it. scene with the the Winnebago it's is hella tense. Arguably the most, the biggest turning point, and like it's the it's the thing that sets things in motion much later, right? Where Hank, you know, is with so the, with, irate. With Stuff and all he that. beats the shit out of uh, out of Jesse, and and so then the and the, and the Winnebago becomes this big. So for me, I think you know it. It's interesting that 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 the scene came about that way, even for you, where you were like, I don't even you know, like I you know, and he made it. It made it feel like you were in the scene for you know uh, minutes when you were in you know, like you but said, for eight seconds. When I when I do podcasts, that that's what the podcasters tell me. Yeah, they say. You're in the small scenes, but it seems like you're in the yeah. movie. Well, and, and, uh, and I there's nothing, uh, you know that that's just something. I I don't do that. That that's well. That's just, I, I I think it's the same thing you said about your book, right? It, it's you know you don't you're just telling stories. You don't realize it's funny until later. I think you don't know you do that. But I mean, I think there's right. something about the character of what you're doing that just draws people in a certain way. And so that, you know, it's, just, it's incredibly memorable and the delivery is really memorable in a, in a way that you just, you know, sort of, you can't, you can't, you can't and don't want to sort of look away from the character you're playing. And, but, to, and to that point, and I'll, I'll, like I said, so my sister Amy and, and Zach here's wife, Lisa are the two biggest uh, for fans of the show friends that I think they just play on a loop in their apartments. Mr. Right Heckles. And Mr. Heckles, right. is another one. And you're of course on a, a bigger set of episodes there. Um, but also another role that just feels like, you know, sort of even bigger than it was. Larry, when you tell, when, when they come to your room, uh, when they come to your room and and they say, or they to your apartment and they say, Hey, we found this cat. (laughs) Is this your cat? And you go, yeah, yeah, that's my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just super deadpan. And they like slowly realize I get no copying to it. You know, either it, I, I, I cop to it is as a lie or it isn't as a lie. Yeah, that's my cat. It's yeah, so I, funny. I, yeah. <laughs> but but that's, the, that's the writers. And, and uh, the, the downside, it was not really a downside, but I mean, it's a great part. When they killed me with the heart attack, mm-hmm. I really blew up. I mean, I... It was my fifth show, so right. you know the fifth. I don't know if you know the fifth, sh- sixth show. No uh, thing. Explains you get like okay. a you get a, a bigger bump in pay. Yeah, but if you can do five shows and they're all one offs. Gotcha. The sixth show, you have become a recurring recurring character. A recurring character. So the sixth show, you get paid a recurring salary. Hmm. Which means that you're guaranteed more, more episodes. So not only do you get a bump in pay for the one, the six, but you generally get a seventh and an eighth at okay. least, if not more. So I did the fifth show. So my, my my agent called me and said, "Hey, I got good news and bad news." I go, "Well, what's the good news?" Said, the good news is you got your fifth show on Friends, which he knew and I knew, man. I'm one away from right. the bump. Yeah. You know, and then you can, I can put a down payment on a house. Yeah. Really? And uh, 
It's like, oh, wow, that's great. What, what, what could be the bad news? You die in that. Oh, oh my gosh. What? <laughs> I didn't have to audition because I had done five shows, so they, they knew the character, just a callback for the character. So there's no going in beforehand. It's just show up for the rehearsal, mm-hmm. which is a week away. So for a week, I just steamed, man. Those bastards. <laughs> I and I'm just I just remember now just walking across the parking lot and going <laughs> So so I see somebody walking around and say, Hey where is everybody? This is rehearsal. He said, Oh no, today is the first day all the shows the first day they have a party, you know, an opening mm-hmm. in the new seat. So it's upstairs room two seventeen. So I go upstairs and sure enough, the big room it's like when they and they have, you know, a groaning board of the Craft services, you know, mm-hmm. and salmon and sausage and the scrambled eggs and the champagne. And then there's a full table. Then there's the cold Get table. Full circle. <laughs> full circle. Come full circle there, Larry. And, and <laughs> back to that. This Carl. <laughs> so, uh, and you got those small tables where you just stand with your drink and you, you know, everybody. So there's about 100 people in the room. You know, they invited other people from other, you know, the CEOs and their kids. and. Mm-hmm. So I, but I'm angry. I just come from the parking lot, man. I'm steaming. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm dead. I'm not in this anymore. This is my last show. So I see the three producers are, are standing around the same table, which is just lucky for me. I can holler at them all three at the same time, <laughs> one shot. So I just march. I stole them over to the table. I don't know. They, yeah. So they just look at me with a smile on their face. Oh, it's Mr. Heckles. Hey, hi, Larry. How you doing? <laughs> what the fuck did you just do, man? <laughs> what? And everybody, no, what did you do? Really? Why? Why did you do that? Why? The first to recover instantly was the woman. It was there's two guys and a, and a woman. And she just leaned in immediately. Could we talk about this a little later? <laughs> And it just snapped me out of it, man. It just, if she had hollered, I, we would have fought right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, all of a sudden, taking it down and low and it's yeah. very close. I just, I go, oh, my God, what have I done? And I looked around, and everybody is staring this way. Nobody is talking. So I go, yeah, yeah, uh, let's talk. And I, I just snapped into reality. Oh, my God. So I just said, oh, okay, fine. And I just turned around. And I saw the craft services table and I said, okay, just go to the craft services table. Just get a cup of coffee. Just fade away. You know? <laughs> I just wanted to. Yeah. So I started walking to the craft service table and all the people at the craft services table just peeled away. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Moses in the sea. Just <laughs> <laughs> this guy's on one. We don't want to face his wrath. <laughs> yeah. Man, no. Yeah. They just peeled away. Uh, and so I'm just standing there alone. I think, you know, what should I do? You know, just, and this kid comes up to me. It's just a perfect point to it all. This kid, he must have been about maybe 15. And he comes up to me and he stands there and he's staring up at me and he goes, dude, that was so cool, man. <laughs> so, okay. Thank you, you very much. That's that. Dead in town. But yeah. Yeah. He's so, like, I, uh, I love Billy Madison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so by the way, yeah, Billy Madison is yeah, yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Uh, 
for the rest of the week, and I had to go into work every day. Yeah. For the rest of the week, and it was a uh, it was a horror trip for me. Just nobody would come near me. Nobody would talk to me. Yeah. It was just oh, it was just awful. The only person who would talk to me was the guy who wrote that episode, and I found him, and I and I wanted to know. I was very calm, but I said, "Did you write this episode?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I go, why did you write me with a heart attack? Why did you do that? And he goes, no, no, I didn't. See, I'm a new guy. This is my first episode that I wrote on my own. I've been, uh, you know, I don't know what they call them, but, you know, they bring in and you help write other things until you finally can stand on your own two feet. And he said, this is my first single episode that I wrote on my own. And I didn't know what to write about. You know, I didn't know how, how that goes. So I went to the producer and I said, what should I write about? And they said, write about an episode that has your favorite character in it. It'll be easier to write and write the episode about them and the character. So they, that gives you a focus. Huh. And he said, great. And Mr. Heckles is my favorite character. Oh. So I wrote the episode about Mr. Heckles. But I didn't write him dying. He wasn't dying in it. Uh, it was a funny ending. And then they came to me when I handed it in. You know, they got to read it to okay it. And they came back to me and said, Chandler has been kicked out of the friend's apartment. And they didn't think ahead. They just said it was so funny. Let's do it. And they didn't think ahead. Well, Chandler is still part of the regulars. If we kick him out of the apartment, how are we going to get him in every week? And so somebody said, well, give him Mr. Heckle's apartment. Mr. Heckle's lives right across the hall from them. So we can always come over, you know, to borrow sugar or talk yeah. to whoever. Uh, so that, so just get rid of uh, Heckle's, give him a heart attack, and we can give Chandler the apartment. <laughs> so it was just a fix. That, that, there was no animosity involved. And, and, well, and that, and that kid wrote about his favorite character and then ended up having to kill him. <laughs> wow. yeah, so, so that was like Virginia says I didn't want to kill you but I had to you know kill him kill him no I can't, can't. I shitty week for can't. both of you no, no. Uh, <laughs> man well hey so I couldn't be mad at him I couldn't you know so I said okay you know good to know thanks yeah. a lot what hey Larry we we we've we've kept, we, we've kept you around uh, even longer than than uh, you you promised us and and we, it was just absolutely terrific and such a pleasure to do so thank you for coming on and and hey we uh, we will make sure that we keep an eye out for that guy yeah when the book comes out let's do it again <laughs> definitely hey, hey, you got we it go. well we'll do it again when the book comes out and uh, we'll make sure that uh, we stock up so we get them for our uh, our friends and family for, <laughs> Christ, for Christmas so um, but hey really truly a pleasure and, and love the stories love the perspective and, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on thank you you guys are great thank oh, you very much thanks Larry have a great okay. day Larry hey have, have a good rest okay. of your day thank you sir bye Take care. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, it is time now for some shag snag body bag. Is it a one night stand or do you hit it with the shovel or take it home to mom and dad? It's like fuck, marry or kill. It's shag snag body bag. Is it a one night stand? (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to play that twice. We could play it over and over again. I love Scotch Beck. Scotch Beck. We miss you. I wish you were here with uh, our our little fun LA adventure. Little LA adventure, yeah. Uh, So we're, we're shagging first. We are going to do our little shags first. So, uh, Nate, what do you got on the shag? So, uh, I'm going to do something a little bit unconventional here. I think I'm going to shag Adam Sandler's weird voice. Oh. Hmm. So, I I don't, I'm going to say, like, I really. Is it baby talk? I don't think it's baby talk exactly. It's kind of a weird thing. Are we talking the shampoo like scene in particular? Yeah, yeah. Just so, so like, I and the reason I'm shagging it is because I don't want too much of it, but like in a small, small dose, I'll take it. So like, and I think that you know it was the difference is that like it, it gets old really quickly, but I get that the delivery has its place in time. So like when I was 15, that that like weird funny voice was the deal, and I and so so I. I I, I liked sort of like remembering, okay, if I if I allow myself to be 15 again, that's, I, I'm in. So at the risk of uh, the imminent piggyback, I have nostalgia as yeah. like just period, underline, 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 because when I watch this, it takes me back to being a young, getting into puberty boy and just the dick humor and the, you know, masturbation talk and, you know, talking about Kavan, so hot. Like that's the voice you're talking about, right? Like <laughs> want to touch the Yeah, hiding. exactly. Like there's like oh. so many of that, like weird, like it's different from like a Pauly Shore type of yeah. uh, accent. Mm-hmm. And it's different from, I don't know. It's very weird and it's very, pointedly a voice and silly and no one would ever be like that but when you watch this movie you're like i mean not that you think that any of it's like realistic or anything but it works right i mean it works well enough for the movie to be funny as shit Mm -hmm. my shag is field trips uh i i used i mean just reminiscing on on my elementary days there was nothing better when you bring that brown bag to school and you put it in the ice chest and they load it in the bottom of the bus and then you're going somewhere. Like it just felt so fucking cool. It's like we're leaving school, but this is school. So it's like school away from school. And like you're going to go somewhere mildly interesting, sometimes really cool, sometimes like whatever. My son just went to sixth grade camp, just yep. got back. All in on that. Dude, yeah. how fun was that? And, and the bus ride, like I remember we, Brad, do you remember the bus ride when we went to Monterey Bay Aquarium when we were in eighth grade? It was like the it was like just a track. Like it felt like it took. It was like seven hours round trip in a day. We we're probably at the aquarium for two and a half hours, but the bus ride was like bananas. It was just you know it felt like it was the most the coolest, fun, most fun, most you know like a little taste of little, no parents around. Exactly. Not in school. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. The, damn kids back there. The older you got, like the more raunchy, of course, the conversations totally. we get, and then of course, then it started getting to the rumor central, like in junior high and stuff, where it's like, oh, yeah. was, was somebody touching somebody in the back of the bus? Like, yeah. oh, oh, they're the couple. What were they doing? Like, oh, there was some some definitely like handsy play back there. Like that kind of stuff was always going down. Most definitely, the teachers can't be looking back at all times. 
Right, right. And you'd have maybe a few parent chaperones, but they always sit together and talk. And so like it was it was kind of rowdiness and and I just yeah, I, I reminisce very fondly on all our field trips and so I, I love the fact that getting on that bus with your little brown bag it was it was time to go even like high school going to disneyland and stuff like that oh yeah oh yeah bus rides were that shit was wild nowadays like sitting in a bus and i've actually chaperoned some some events and stuff with my kids and 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 things like that it's just like painful it is very painful but like back then it was like we're gonna be in a bus for like four hours just like getting to talk and hang out like this shit's gonna be great yeah so yeah that's my shag so are we snagging we are snagging. Let's do some snagging. So I'm going to start us off with the snag. Is that cool? Yeah. Is it cool? It. So yeah, yeah. so we had to discuss uh, previously about the quotes in this movie. Yeah, we, we have not yet hit that, and that that's a deep, deep omission at this point. Because there are so many that are still used in... I don't know by kids today, by forty-year-old dudes today. In, <laughs> in my head, I, it's it's one at one a day. Yeah, I wonder how many of these you throw out, and your teenage daughter and her friends are like, "What the fuck is your dad talking about? Like, why is he making Lots that voice?" Yeah, <laughs> which is funny. The one one of my quotes that always sticks out to me, and anytime I see a box of Triscuits, but it's like the one time that Bradley Whitford's character kind of seems like. Where he's like, well, why didn't you let me know? So then I could have enjoyed the tasty Triscuit as well. It's like <laughs> just the seriousness of that conversation that he has. Uh, it's just it's and it's Bradley Whitford. I mean, to, you know, to point out right, like he's he's in some so so you know he's in this and he's pretty funny and he has some and then he's has a long stint on West Wing where he's great. Oh yeah, but he's in um, Get Out. Get Out has an interesting role in that one. Much different. I like him better there. But and I then he's know. in um, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, and he's really good in that too. That. Yeah, he's a really interesting. But career. he's he's really good as like the bad guy. That's the, a good the guy. Sh- yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's cr- it's it's that's also a good role. I forgot about that. And one. Also good as the the funny the the funny villain. Yeah. Like in this one, he's kind of a schmarmy guy. He's yeah. telling him in Get Out, and he's like, "I vote, I vote for Obama for another term." If I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, exactly. So I so so just since you brought it up, I'm going to run through my favorites. I'll do my best with intonation. Your favorite quotes. It's Nudie Magazine Day. It's Nudie Magazine. I mean, I, Brad was said earlier, like he remembers when I like got onto that quote, and it was a lot. And so it's like, it was said a, I, I, a I, lot of times. I apologize for that trauma. That <laughs> but I, he gets like, the magazines, and it's like yeah. guzzling grandmas and yeah, like uh, all sorts of like uh, really weird like. <laughs> but the thing is, those were like all mates. probably pretty close to like the actual titles of some uh, of the, the legit magazines. porn magazines that were out there. Back when you had to get porn in a magazine, yeah, there were yeah. some wild publications. I'm absolutely positive. I am the smartest man alive <laughs> that one i think a lot uh so hot want to touch the hiney oh you blow it <laughs> that one i say in my head a lot if if the if if you're pee, if peeing your pants is cool consider me miles davis That's a big yeah. one for me uh and then finally everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to, to it. <laughs> i i say that one I that mean, one is a, weekly, applicable in a lot of situations yeah. nowadays Stop looking at me, Schwan. I say that <laughs> quite often. So good. I mean, in today's like political climate, that the 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 quote from the game or the the trivia competition, I mean, that gets thrown out on on the regular, like in any type of political discussion and things like that. Yes, yeah. it's a it's a great insightful <laughs> quote. So I want to snag the 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 Sandler, and this kind of was mentioned earlier, but the Sandler ensemble, right? So like in this movie, you got. Uh, Semi, you've got we already talked about Woodford. He's not necessarily in a bunch of them, but like just in terms of the pure talent, you got Hankin, who we got to talk to. Um, you've got Norm McDonald, you've got Chris Farley. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Double double R.I.P. Double R.I.P. So like 
and, and that's you know who's missing from this one? Uh, oh, I, uh, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Yeah, who comes up in a bunch of the later ones. So like, because this was so early, right? They, that maybe yeah. they weren't homies yet or something, or just I you know who knows. But like, I mean, Rob Schneider's character in, in Big Daddy. Well, I have to assume. So I have to assume that, like, at this point after this, I mean, because people probably weren't sure. I mean, how a Billy, uh, an Adam Sandler vehicle is going to do, like, yeah. and then once it hits big, then it's like, okay, Adam Sandler Everybody now has in. carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, with any right. character, he's going to get to bring on whoever he wants. His requests are going to be upheld as long as he's going to show up in their yeah. movie. So, I mean, to me, the 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 thing that you get when you get an Adam Sandler movie, and this got mentioned earlier, right? With in in contrast to. Uh, uh, Jim Carrey Carrey, with Ace Ventura is you get a whole bunch of really, really funny actors doing their thing in little bits and pieces. And so, and you get that here. I mean, Norm MacDonald's gold in this. Chris Farley is gold as the bus driver. That's, that's my snag was Chris Farley just because I mean, his delivery on his lines when he's just discussing and, and it shows that Chris Farley, as much as he was like his slapstick stuff was so good his just delivery of just regular lines. The conversation like, about <laughs> when my friend slept with her. Yeah. He's like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> well, no, he didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> you can imagine how good that would have been, right? <laughs> so, yeah, no, everything about Chris Farley in this movie is great. And, and again, it all, all, we always talk about, I mean, just a, a life cut way too short. Um, it would have been fun to see, like, what he was going to do in the future. And, and if he would have evolved, I mean, that's the interesting thing. I was always thinking, like, is Adam Sandler semi-evolved? I mean, he definitely evolved in some yeah. form or another. He's yeah. done some good dramatic roles, as discussed. Like, would Chris Farley have gotten into some dramatic roles that were really like, oh, god damn. Because like, I feel like he had it in him to act really well. I think he, he I had think he did. I, I, I don't think he, I mean, you know, look at Rob Schneider, right? Like, nah. never does. No, you know, not at all. Does. Like, you just see something and just the way he's able to, like, just kind of portray himself. And, like, you're, like, little small part as the bus driver, but he carries some great conversations just yeah. through the way he's, he's, he's acting. So, Chris Farley, for sure, my snag there. So, we're body bagging. It's time to unzip him. So, my body bag on this one is that kids treat each other just brutally. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, it's one of those me- reminders that, like, and we, we, you know, we, we were having some conversations, which I won't repeat on the on the drive down here to LA, um, about some of the same stuff, like where there's sort of a lot of bad hazing that was even worse than it was in this movie. But like, I guess I, 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 on the one hand, right, like, I think sometimes the humor of doing certain things, uh, you know, gets over criticized, but this might not be an, an area. Like I just, it's cringe. It makes me cringe. Like to see the way that like we laugh at kids, like really traumatizing other kids. And there's a fair amount of this now, of course, I guess there's some redemption in it, right? Because, you know, he calls Buscemi and apologizes and then Buscemi comes through for him. So that's, that's a good thing. But I think the underlying thing here is that like an enduring part of a lot of comedy of this era is like born out of the fact that people just think it's, you know, sometimes funny to watch someone else suffer. And I'm like, I just hate that. Like I, it never feels good to me, and the older I get, the less good it feels. Well, and, and that's the comedy of, of our generation, which yep. is terrible. I mean, we it's grew up big with part of our that movies. being like pretty much what we watched and, on a daily basis. And that was definitely never like I never loved that kind of thing. But I think I didn't it didn't pain me the way that it does now. And that's right. one of the things for me that like is the hardest to go back and watch in a in a way that I think is like very positive. What's going on in your bag, Zach? Well, if I have to body bag something from this movie, I'm going to body bag myself. Because I just didn't love it as much as I remember loving it. 
And I don't like that a lot of times. I wish I could revisit a lot of these movies and we keep bringing it up, but like like Ace Ventura, early Jim Carrey stuff that I thought was the funniest stuff in the entire world. I wish I could go revisit that stuff. The Adam Sandler CD, all these things we've talked about. I wish I had the ability to just for a couple hours, put myself back into that mindset and just laugh my ass off at silly, ridiculous stuff that now I'm like, I don't know if I'm, it's just not as funny now. It's you know, you, uh, go ahead. Bro. I was gonna say, you know, what's interesting is that like when I think of movies that I reminisce on that when I go back and watch them and they kind of hold up, Adam Sandler movies don't do this where they include things that might go over kids' heads. I don't think they really do a lot of that in, in those types of movies versus like, uh, I'm thinking of like a Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's like, I love that as a kid. And then when I watch it as an adult, there's like lines and things that I just you did didn't not get. get. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, that's way funnier now because I'm older. And I just don't think that necessarily gets thrown into Adam Sandler movies. He's, he's hitting a, a demographic and it's directed towards them versus like we're being directed towards them, but also including some stuff that, that adults might like. Which, so. which is what like Pixar and a lot of new uh, animated movies do. Yes. There's lots of stuff in there for the parents, which is super cool now that I'm a parent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just going to say that it's funny you say that because like one of the main notes I had was like, for me, there's sort of a special irony to the fact that you really want it. Like there's a party that wants to be a kid again. You know, the, the, like the trope that you say to your kids, like, you know, I don't, you know, you don't want to be a grow up too fast. You know, adult and kids have all the fun adults, you know, kind of, you know, have all the responsibility. But it's also you just lose some perspective and there's some good good about that, right? Like you gain capacity for some sorts of empathy and experience that you don't have, but you lose some ability to like take joy in certain things mm-hmm. that you'll never get back. And this is one of those like, where it's like the part of you that thinks it's funny for good or for bad is gone, right? See, you, you cannot You can't back. recapture that shit. You can't. Right. My, my dad hated – most Adam Sandler he liked the water boy because I think that's a sympathetic character that like you're rooting for versus like his, the typical Adam Sandler shtick. He, he just despised. He had no, well, there's no, it never made qualities. him laugh. It's it ne- it was just not amusing to him whatsoever. Yeah. But he did like the water boy. And it's funny. Cause I think that's, that says something that like, the adults were just like, what the fuck is this? We don't get it. Cause well, Bobby Boucher is like inherently a good character. Right. He's like a little kid. Yeah. You know, and it is funny too because I mean I know your dad's sense of humor, and it's not like your dad has a sense of humor that would have been like overly highbrow at all, right? right? Like exactly, you guys loved Married with Children and Simpsons growing up, which had its share of like crude dick joke, you know, yeah. equivalents, but but it was very also very clever humor, and it wasn't full of people that you couldn't root for. Right. I think that's the that to me in some ways of some of the Adam Sandler movies you just can't root. What are you going to body bag, Brad? My body bag is that does Billy really change at all? I think this is kind of like a carry on of our conversation right now is it's like, does he really change? Like, okay, yeah, he earns his way back to like getting the company and stuff. But is there anything that says that he's really that much of a different person? Because a week and a half later, Veronica's going to leave him <laughs> and then he's going to just fucking toilet bowl I mean, the entire stay, company. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for my, my alternate ending. But, I mean, how yeah. do we not body bag the, the very like possibility that any of what happens with Veronica would ever happen, right? Like, well, that's, that's kind of my point. Like, and, like, and I'll get to that in my, yeah, my, my, my alternate ending is just like, it, it's so unfeasible that she, unless what happens in my alternate ending that it makes sense. I'll make, <laughs> I'll make it make sense a little bit later. All right. I love it. All right, folks, we are on to our streaming recommendations. So what do you guys think we should watch after we watch Billy Madison? So I, at the risk of being captain obvious here, 
you got to watch the next one, which is Happy Gilmore, right? So, like, I, I think that that Happy Gilmore holds up better for for me than Billy Madison. I think there's less of of him being. I mean, like, Billy Madison is like Adam Sandler being Adam Sandler and doing the baby voice and doing yes. the the full gimmick. Happy Gilmore is like a slight evolution from that, and I think mapped onto a much more a much better concept, right? Like it's actually a really kind of fun sports movie formula with a, it's a fun sports comedy. And so it has a little bit of that, you know, like infused in it. It's got a really good cast around it again. Um, so for me, I think happy Gilmore holds up better and, and from a few different angles. So if you want to watch that one, uh, you're going to want to have TNT, TBS, true TV, direct TV, or just go ahead and pop for it on uh, one of the rental places. Yeah, I'll say Billy Madison has no barriers as far as what direction Adam Sandler can take it with his just silliness. Right. Happy Gilmore as a character has some barriers. Like, there's some things he can do where he can be a little silly, but he he's definitely a more, like, contained character, whereas, like, Billy Madison can just go whatever direction he wants, so. And, and I think some a lot of the comedy in, in Happy Gilmore is Sandler playing off some of the other characters, you know, so like, you know, Shooter McGavin's you know, a great straight man for him in that movie. There's not nearly the, the level straight, you know, like like Bradley Whitford doesn't quite play the same kind of straight man for him in this in, in, in Billy in Billy Madison. Yeah, so otherwise I, it's a bunch of elementary kids. So, yeah, exactly. So, so for me, I think Happy Gilmore is the superior movie and one that if you haven't seen, you definitely should watch. Gotcha, Zach. I can't argue with that at all. Uh, my streaming recommendation is going to be uh, another favorite from back in the same time period, 1995, and I'm going to go with Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah. Chris Farley and uh, David Spade. I think it's super funny. It's the same type of movie, but you have Spade as the kind of straight man to, uh, you know, Chris Farley's just outrageous antics, and it is fucking Uh, hilarious. I, I also literally never knock on a hotel room door without saying, Housekeeping. Your cousin said it to me <laughs> earlier today when I knocked on the door to get into this hotel room. You just, it's its its a like a rule that you have to do it. But yeah, so if you liked this and you haven't seen Tommy Boy, which I doubt any, I, I mean, maybe like my mom is out there and she's like, I've never seen either of those movies. <laughs> so mom, don't, you're going to hate Billy Madison, but maybe you might like Tommy Boy, I think. I think Tommy Boy holds up. That's that's what was my stream recommendation was, was Tommy Boy as well. Oh, really? Um, $2.99 for rent. Uh, there, it doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere. I, I'm going to just go ahead and add on Waterboy. Uh, if, if you want to see... A sympathetic character, a character that you don't have to hate because it's like Adam Sandler being annoying. It's like it's a sympathetic character and uh, it's a fun movie. So uh, I'm gonna jump in and say Waterboy, and I don't know exactly. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Otherwise, get it on Apple TV for two ninety nine. Yeah, Apple, rent that. Apple doesn't have enough money. Rent that thing and and check it out because it's a it's a fun football movie, and uh, I can guarantee that character is probably gonna be getting drafted next week. I can guarantee you that it will because it's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like that draft's going to get thin really quick. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what direction that goes. All right, so we are now on to uh, our final category here, which is uh, reshelf. Uh, you go in the video kingdom, you're going to go ahead and take a movie and put it into a different category, or maybe you're just going to offer us an alternate ending. So who's got something to add to this? I mean, personally, I don't love the he's going to take over his dad's business storyline of this movie. I feel like 
make it something even just sillier. Like change because, the stakes. Well, it's because like it's change the stakes exactly, and have the same competition. He's got to get through the grades and blah blah blah. But like maybe make it like a judge is having pity on him. He got in like a he got in like a crazy DUI wreck or something like that. Like nobody he didn't kill anybody, but he caused a whole bunch of damage, and then he was going to have to go to jail for a long time unless somehow he makes this deal with the judge that if he can do this, then he doesn't have to go to jail or whatever it is. So I mean, isn't that so? So, so can I piggyback? Yeah. So, 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 isn't the natural thing to do that instead of to take over his dad's company? Because his dad is like, you know, there's the scene where his dad's like, well, you know, you can just go back to drinking daiquiris and da da da. Alternatively, shouldn't his dad just be like, I'm kicking you out? Like, you know, <laughs> finally the dad gets fed up. It's there's nothing to do with the company, and his dad's like, you know, you're you've done, you know, you've done nothing. You didn't even get through school. And so in order to allow, you know, his dad says, yeah, you can go back to your lavish life if you, you, you could finish school. And so the whole stakes are Billy's supposed to go through and complete school in order to be able to continue to be a slob. And then through going through school, he learns that maybe he doesn't need, want to be a slob. He decides anymore. he wants to be a school teacher. So or Billy, whatever it Billy is. at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. becomes a third grade teacher, right? Which is like where all his buddies are, are the third graders. And he's dating Veronica Vaughn still. Because they teach together. So yeah. like that, to me, the natural thing is like, you know, Billy Madison might be a believable third grade teacher at the end of this. And he might decide to do that. Third might be a little late for Billy. I think maybe he could do kindergarten. Kindergarten <laughs> first, you think so? Is there any chance that, that Sandler and Chris Farley were, like, throwing around ideas? And Because Tommy Boy, I mean, it's essentially it's the plot of Tommy Boy where he's got to try to keep his dad's company. And so maybe there he was like, yeah, I got to switch it up a little bit. So Adam was like, okay, I'll make mine fucking that. I got I to gotta go to school to do it rather than just, like, sell brake pads. Yeah, they obviously <laughs> spent time together. It's not like neither of them knew what the other guy's movie was about. You know yeah. what I mean? And then when it came out, they were like, "Oh my gosh, we had the same idea!" Like I <laughs> doubt that. I mean, and then there's Billy Madison till dawn, where uh, <laughs> the uh, the entire school turns out to be vampires at the end, and uh, he Brad, Brad they go after, but in the twist, Bradley Whitford tries to shoot Billy Madison, and the vampires are totally Billy Madison fans, and they just devour. Bradley Whitford, <laughs> or or you go Bradley Whitford is a vampire. Oh, you know what I mean, and like and like all of a sudden he like realizes and tries to tell his dad, 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 he's a he's a vampire, and he's like, Yeah, Billy, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just like the penguin, he penguin, penguin yeah. vampire, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. I mean, it, Billy Madison does not lend itself to like say a hardcore drama or a reshelf, unfortunately. Well, I in my body bag, I was or, or actually I think before body bag, we were talking about how. The fact that Veronica Vaughn actually likes them yes, is very implausible. So I, I just basically said that there's got to be like Veronica Vaughn marries Billy. He's he's rescued the company and she convinces him to like not only keep the company like for himself and run it, but also he she just she just wills him into not having her sign a prenup. And so basically, like she actually just at the end is like as soon as she gets all that certified. She's like, adios, I've been playing the whole time. I knew you had a fortune. I knew you were an easy mark. I hate being a teacher. I don't want to do this anymore. 
give me my money. And she's got part of the company and she's got the millions now. Veronica Vaughn is an evil. Yeah, she was a schemer. I hate that because she is she's an angel. <laughs> she's and, the sweetest uh, person ever. But I want her to be the sweetest just... person ever. I, I like the storyline better that she just like literally breaks up with him five days later because she he's like acting a fool again. <laughs> and she's just like, This she's is like, super out. lame. And then he, you know, goes on to binging and doing crazy shit and not even our boy, Mr. Hinkles, can keep him from running the company into the ground. <laughs> By the way, I mean, can we just reflect that Larry Hankin came on? And Dude. Super cool. Well, he, he, he also he inherits really the company. Cool. He inherits the company. Carl runs the company. Yeah. Yeah, Hankin was awesome. Though That was a real treat to have him on today. I mean, and like I said, you know, like he, he had, you know, he was, he, was, he was cool in Billy Madison. It was a great, like, opportunity for us to talk about an old classic for us, but... There's some real impactful roles for me with Hankin across all his stuff. I'm I'm actually pretty psyched about his book. That that guy is definitely one I will read, for sure. And and I mean, yeah, for somebody who has like you can, it's it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like you can name almost any actor, and like he's connected to them from through so, a TV show, well, movie, I, or something. I mean, something. I held it's back. Wild. Like Zachary was like, "Oh, we should ask him about Seinfeld," which you which yep. we didn't talk yeah, we about. Didn't. He was in Pretty Woman. He's. We didn't talk about the fact that we a movie we covered earlier, Home Alone. He's in. Yeah. I mean, you could literally if you go to through his IMDb, it's nuts. The, and if the, you want to go TV, he's in every. every. What, what did Brad say? Brad was like, he is in every TV show for one episode. Yeah. <laughs> every single TV show. Yeah. I, I will say that if if I wanted to make a movie, um, starring Larry Hankin right now, do you guys know who would play his his son? Oh, are you thinking Larry David? <laughs> his son bro. you guys you guys know ryan styles ryan, ryan styles he's he's tall comedian he was on like who's landing is it anyway oh yeah the the comic book guy no he's kind of a, like a light brown haired tall, he's very hockey. tall kind of like kind of skinny guy i feel like he could 100 percent play larry I hankin's see that. son so yeah or maybe maybe in when they do the larry hankin uh bio, oh, biopic after the yeah they option his guy. book they're gonna option his book into a movie young young larry hankin's gonna be uh timothy chamalamale <laughs> i can see it right now okay we'll take uh, that I, that's standing one up thing to I, fucking clint eastwood that's one thing i'm kind of upset we didn't ask larry, larry about was the fact that he, he's six four and it's like I gotta imagine being a tall person in Hollywood's got to be difficult because it legit affects the shooting of a film. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. as far as sight lines and the, and the adjustments of like the height of the other characters, it makes it difficult. So I, I bet there's got to be something to be said that like it makes it tough to have a tall dude like that. Yeah. In in your shows, so I don't know. I was just stoked that he wanted to sit down and tell us a whole bunch of cool stories about yeah, Hollywood. Was, he all sure that stuff. did. Super yeah. awesome. Well, all right. That's that's a wrap, guys, huh? That is uh, happy. I mean, sorry, Billy Madison. I'll be interested to see if we ever if we ever venture back into uh, uh, funny, silly Sandler land. Adam Sandler land. Yeah. I, I I could see us doing a Gilmore, and I could see uh, me picking a, one one of the rom coms. So like, either Wedding Singer or Fifty First Dates. Wedding Singer for sure, dude. I love Wedding. Singer. Wedding Singer is really good. I think Waterboy. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it gets close to football season. You got to find those football movies. I think that could always come back. Well, you know what? If our fans speak out, so make sure you let us know on the socials if you have movies you want us to cover. Uh, email us, but you know, post on social so everybody can weigh in. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, tell your friends about us. Yeah, you know, that's how that's how we get our that's how, that's how we grow our listenership. Is you guys tell somebody that that you think it's cool that they should listen. Sounds great. Love you guys. Have a good evening, folks. See ya. Bye bye. Uh.
the stars.